Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm president and founder of a company called The Performance Group. Our business is helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Our guest today is Andy Miller. And Andy has been in the industry for several years, like we've said, probably more than he probably cares to remember at this point. <laughs> right, Andy? That's true, Jim. But I Andy, can't remember. I have to count it up. Yeah, yeah, right. And then we run out of fingers and toes, don't we? <laughs> But Andy works uh, on strategic sales and marketing with CEOs and venture capitalists in growing their businesses. And he works with them on not only driving the revenues up and making sure their operations can handle the increases in revenues that he's able to produce for them. Like I said, he's been doing this a number of years. And today, Andy, uh, we um, you have a pretty bold statement for our audience, which is how to double your sales and also your profits in a down economy. All right, so the first question I have to ask is how? How? Okay. Let me, or is that too broad you. of a question? No, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you the big picture on that because uh, here's what I find happens in a down economy. The, your competitors out there get more desperate. There's less companies to work with. The companies that they're trying to work with are, are beating them up for even a better price or, or so they say. And now what happens? It becomes even more of a shotgun approach. It becomes people are desperate. Uh, businesses want to keep their cash flow going, so they'll do anything to win the business, even if they have to buy the business. And so what does that do? Well, uh, you have people start dropping price because of two things. Let me phrase that. Sales organizations start dropping their price because of two things. They, they don't know their true value. And when they don't know their true value, they don't know if they're coming from a position of strength or weakness, so they drop their price. And the other thing is dropping your price is compensation for lack of sales skills. So if, if you think of the last couple of years, how sales has just flowed, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say sales was easy, but it certainly was a lot easier. Money's flowing. There's, there's lots of abundance. People are thriving. And you didn't have to be super sharp. To, to make sales. Well, now you do. And, and we've gotten kind of, uh, uh, just let's just say we got out of shape. Okay? So that to me is what it boils down to. The, the, the reason we lose our margins is because we're not focused. We don't know our value. We got lazy on our sales skills. So that, that's one piece. So the, the opposite side of that, to answer your question, is how is by being very clear on who you're focused on. It's by um, knowing the value that you offer and, and weeding people out who don't appreciate uh, that value. It's by enhancing your sales skills so you're back in shape and you're finding out what you need to find out before you get to the negotiation phase, if you negotiate, so you don't let yourself become a commodity. Uh, so that, that, those are the things it really boils down to. That's, that's the how in a nutshell. Okay. Well, we'll dive into that how just a little bit more. Okay. So it's interesting because when I work with people out there, maybe you're seeing the same thing. I think you can break, you know, customers down into three categories right now. And those three categories are the people that are in denial and they've decided to sit out a couple innings and hope that it gets better. In other words, let's wait till the end of uh, the next quarter and, and see what happens before we make a move. Yeah. There's people that are in hope, 
don't quite know what to do, but they're hopeful that it's going to get better, and maybe if you came along with a better answer, they would listen to you. Yeah. And then the third group are the people that are going to take advantage of the situation. In other words, they know that the opportunity to be more assertive is right now because maybe the competition is cutting back. Right. So, and I know this is probably not your first recession, correct, that you've sold in? Yeah, that's true. I'm old enough. I'm You're old, old enough to, <laughs> you've seen these. So as you break these people down into those three categories, yeah. right, you probably can't help with the people who are in denial and just going to wait it out. That's right. Right? So let's go to the people that are in hope. Okay. Okay. And so what you in essence said is when the in a in a growth economy, you don't necessarily need to pay as close attention to whether you're going to the gym every day and let's say to getting a total workout. Right. Right, because you're kind of feeling good, yeah, you're pretty healthy, and there's no real necessary necessity, let's say, to go to the gym. That's right? right. So now you're saying things are a little tough and you need to strengthen your skills a little bit more. So in a recession economy, let's talk about those people and hope the things they're looking for. What specifically skills would you recommend that they go to work on? Well, I think they need a good consultative sales process. That's one thing. And okay. we can we can dig into that a little deeper in a minute. I think they need to be really, really clear on the value that they provide that makes them unique and that people appreciate. And part of that requires knowing what your ideal client profile is, and we can we can dig into that deeper too. Uh, and it requires being absolutely tenacious in going after your ideal clients, but it also means being really good at identifying who they are, and most companies are really sloppy about that okay so, so go ahead go ahead you're so it's if you as you've worked with companies and, and when things have tightened up all right so what specifically would you be telling our audience right now that okay consultative selling i get that uh, understanding your ideal client i get that and understanding um i guess increasing your tenacity right yes what I'm hearing from people is that their people aren't uh, doing enough lead identification or enough prospecting, and they don't appear to be having very good first conversations right now, meaning they're going in, and what they're hearing is budgets are being cut, there's spending freezes going on, people are holding off because they're uncertain, and they don't know how to handle those, I guess, I, they'd be objections at this point. Right. Right. So what would you tell those people who are stuck in that situation that they would do to get their sales staff going? Well, I, I, I'm willing to bet, based upon the description you just gave me, Jim, mm-hmm. is that they're going in and saying, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but something along the lines of, um, um, here's our product or our services. Can we talk about if you have any interest in those things? So it's, it's really a product or, or service uh, pitch, for lack of a better word. And yet they may be a little smoother than that, and they may take a little bit of a consultative approach. Hey, let us sit down and talk, see if we're doing some things that help you out. But 99.9% of the companies out there are missing what I think is a really critical piece. And the critical piece is educating the client or the prospect on how, by working with you, you can help them run a better business. 
Oh, so and, in, in other words, in essence, the, the net effects your products or services may do for them. Yes, exactly. So, so let's pretend for an example, and um, well, what this requires is really knowing, uh, knowing your industry, knowing the market, knowing the people that you're calling on, uh, and thinking about things from a, a business owner's perspective. So, for example, um, you know, let, let's say you're a, a roofing company or you're a, a painting company, but let, let's go with roofing for a second. Most of the time when somebody wants roofing, it's because they either have to replace the roof or they have to do a, a patch job because there's a leak. And most people go with whatever the roofing company recommends, and usually it, that depends upon the salesperson and how good of a job he or she asks questions. and Or did they just go for the economy's tight, money matters, I'm going to give them the cheapest possible solution without even educating them or talking to them about it because the salesperson now thinks that the cheapest is the issue. You with me so far? Absolutely. Okay. But if instead they said things like, and let's just assume it's uh, residential roofing, if they said things like, okay, so you, you got a leak in your roof. Before we do anything, let me ask you a couple questions. How long do you plan on living in your house? You know, Do you plan on selling it the next year? Or did you plan on staying here for another 10 or 20? And if they started going through um, from a consultative approach to find out what the intention was with their house, first of all, they'd make a better roofing recommendation. Okay? The second thing is if they had researched roofing and materials and the, and the weather in the, uh, in the area and based upon what you want to do with the house, they could actually educate you and help you come up with better choices. For example, let's say you've got a, just a black shingle roof. Well, uh, let's say that, you know, they said, okay, let's, let's talk about uh, you're in Iowa. So let's say, well, if you look at the weather that happens in Iowa, we've got X amount of days of sun and X amount of days of winter. And if we put a white roof on your house instead of a black shingle roof, you would find that we'd be able to decrease your energy cost by 60% because of the, the black roof heat absorbs the rays of the sun, it makes the house a lot hotter, um, and you're actually fighting against the roofing that you've used. If you use the white roofing, it reflects the rays of the sun. Uh, you're still going to have the energy cost in the winter. It'll be slightly more, but that's offset by the huge savings that you have in the, in the summertime. And by the way, let me show you the data on that. So no longer do you become a residential roofer, quote-unquote, salesperson. You actually become an industry expert so that you can educate them, establish expertise. And what do you think happens when you have that kind of expertise? What do you think happens to the other salespeople that come after you to try to sell them a, a, a roof replacement? Well, it's a direct uh, comparison between someone who's going to talk about pitching a product and a cost, whether it's asphalt or some type of shingle, compared to the guy who's doing the educating. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So it really is a it's a combination of consultative selling along with educating so that, that you're not actually seen as a salesperson anymore. You're seen as an expert. Okay. And who do you want to do business with? You want to do business with the expert, and you want to do business with the people who are looking out for you who are informing you so that you make a better decision that's in your best interest. Okay. 
I want to talk a little bit because I hear this a lot in the marketplace with the people I work with, and that is this lead generation thing. How do we go out there and get our people to identify and get new business out there? And I think you have a, a pretty good metaphor for that. You said lead generation is like eHarmony. Uh, yeah, Can for anybody who's of... <laughs> familiar with the dating website world. Okay, um, I, I never heard of really uh, sales related to dating, but I'm curious to hear about your eHarmony approach to <laughs> lead generation. Yeah, okay. So you know, if you're familiar with the concept of eHarmony, eHarmony makes you go in and take an assessment, and they will only match you with people where you're a really good fit. And if you're not a good fit, you don't get to see their profile, you don't get to talk to them, uh, you, you don't even know that they exist. And when I look at salespeople, uh, what I realized was salespeople are more like every opportunity they see, they think is they're all good, Right. They're all good, and that to me reminded me of the early early dating websites, which was you got on there, you created a profile, you put your picture in, and then you just started typing in whatever you wanted to see, right? So if you're a woman and you're like, uh, you know, men with dark hair six feet, foot or above, that's what you type in. You wouldn't know anything about the, the, the quality or caliber of the guy, but you, you didn't know what he looked like. Okay. And and vice versa, if it was a guy looking for, for a woman. So that was the wrong selection criteria. And then, you you know, you selected based upon your, your old, uh, old habits, bad choices, and you get more of the same. Salespeople do the same thing with leads. They don't know what they're looking for. They don't know what a good lead is versus a bad lead. Hence, all leads look good to them. And so are you, are you saying that... Uh, when I was in junior high, and the girl would just talk to me, they were qualified. <laughs> just, be, just, be, just because they, <laughs> because they said hi during recess, that uh, or said yeah. hi during the in the hallway. It's like woohoo, we're in, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you went home at night and you couldn't sleep because your heart was fluttering, and Valentine's Day came around and you got her that little special card, but you're a little embarrassed to give it to her. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so it's the it's the salesperson where the person says, "Give me a quote or proposal." Going back to the office, thinking, "Man, I got one. This person's going to buy just because they said hi to me." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So, so what I encourage people to do is really sit down and come up with at least two categories of uh, profiles, and preferably four, depending on how big the market is. And, and I'll give you the, my my four definitions. So the the category A is the perfect client. They recognize your value. They generate the kind of revenue, repeat business, leverages your leverage they leverage your product and your services. But it's it's really uh, like a like a perfect eHarmony ideal prospect sales organization fit. They appreciate you, they value you, they respect you, they take your input, there's good communications uh, both ways. And most most companies and most salespeople, if, if you've been in business for a year, can sit down and say, oh, well, that's, that's company X. They're like that. So most, most people, if you've been in business for a little bit, can actually put some names and those attributes of what the, what the perfect client is. Those are the folks we're looking for. Okay. Okay, so there's a demographic and there's a psychographic to it. All right. Okay. Then there's the B accounts. They're they're not quite perfect, um, but they're pretty good. 
And if you had 10, 20, 30, 100 of those, you'd be thrilled. But they, they don't fully appreciate your value. They, they may not quite see you as the, the uh, consultant or the, the expert that they would go to for advice. Uh, they, they tend to just give you an order. Um, the ones I see that fall into this is everybody kind of has that one really big client who doesn't quite treat them as well as they would like to be treated, but because they're just so big, they let them get away with things that they wouldn't let a little client get away with. Yeah, they generate enough revenue, but they keep you at arm's length, but so you never really get close to them. Exactly, and and you know sometimes they they may treat you less than ideal, but you you just kind of take it because they generate so much revenue that you can't afford to rock the uh, rock the boat. Okay. Then there's the C category. And that C category is they they don't do much business with you, but they're low maintenance. There there is a good fit. You wish they were a bigger company, but there just isn't. It's kind of like the your your next door neighbor when you're growing up, you know, uh she was cute, but you saw her more like she was your sister than anything else, right? Okay. So it's the same kind of thing. There's just there's a good fit. There's just not enough volume there. They're low maintenance, but it's good for everybody. And it's kind of a transactional. Yeah, it really is more more transactional. And you do business, just minimum business, but it is good for everybody. Okay. And then there's what I call the clients from hell. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you have to bleep that out or not, but um, but I can't think of a better word for it. Some people say the difficult clients. No, no. These are the ones that you wish you could give them their money back. Okay. They, they have been nothing but um, uh, demanding. They were not a good fit. But you want to provide good customer service, but because they weren't a great great fit, um, we're now over-servicing to keep them happy. So these are the people that look good on the date then turn into that psycho woman you really don't want yeah, to marry. Exactly. Slash your tires through, through your windows <laughs> right. you know, after the first date, and you're going, oh, my God, what have I done here? And, and everybody has one of those. And those usually happen because your pipeline is thin, but you wanted to keep the flat cash flow going, so you, you and your and your nature, everything about it, your intuition, your instincts, everything told you don't do this deal. Yeah, but because the pipeline was thin and we needed the cash flow, we did it anyways, and huh. have regretted it ever since then. Okay. Okay. Now I said I like to do four categories. You've got to at least do two, and here's the two. The one is the ideal client, right? And the other one is the client from hell. Really? Yes, because you've got to know what you're going after, and you also know, need to know what to run away from. Because most people, I think, the instinct would be do those A's, those ideals, and do the ones one step below those B's. Well, let's face it: if if you know what the best is and you know what the worst is, you'll avoid the worst, and anything else is okay. Oh, okay. Because you really don't have time in a recession to deal with the clients from hell. No, they'll kill you. I mean, I mean, think about it. Uh, they're the ones that beat you up on price. They're the ones that, even though you have your 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 value differentiators, you know what makes you unique. Right. Um, we'll try to minimize those, and they make the issue price. Now, let's talk about discounting for a second. Okay. Most. 
most salespeople are not aware of this. Business owners, uh, they kind of know about it, but I don't think they've ever sat down and really thought it through. So the first thing to know is, what is your profit margin of, of your business? And I'm just going to throw out some numbers for discussion purposes. Okay. But it, let's say that you have a 20% profit margin in your business. And your sales rep gives the client a 10% discount. All right. And which is be, would be common, I would think. Yeah. If, you know, hey, it's 10%. Discount is the, depending on the industry. I mean, in the software world, I've seen on large enterprise deals up to you know, 25%, 50% off. Right. I, I was somewhere the other day. I don't remember where it was. I probably should have carried a tape recorder around with me. But e- even even in the malls right now, you see everybody doing... Oh, 40 50 70% off. Yeah, e- exactly, because they're just trying to keep the cash flow going and get sales sales made while everybody's tightening up. Right. Well, if you had a 20% margin and you gave a 10% discount, you would have to sell 50% more in volume to compensate for that 10% discount. Because, t- you know, 10% is half a 20 that's 50%. So you would have to go out and all your salespeople would have to sell 50% more at that discounted rate to keep the same dollars in the bank. Ouch. Yeah, big ouch. Big ouch. So why would you want to deal with somebody who wanted discounts and didn't, didn't appreciate your value? And so you're just really reinforcing focus on the A's, stay away from the hell clients. Because you're basically you may, you may be moving, but you're not moving forward. You're actually moving backwards. You're actually and, moving backwards, right? Yeah, you're actually driving yourself into bankruptcy. Well, because you you don't know, especially in a recession. Let's pretend that you could build it another fifty percent. In other words, in a progressive economy, you may think, well, I'll, I'll discount ten percent force my salespeople to work a little harder and drive the volume up, and you can compensate it for it. Right. Probably not true today. Right. So it's really a, uh, just a flawed strategy. Because I'm thinking there's some people in the audience thinking, well, you know, we do that every day, and by gosh, we've been okay the last three or four years. Well, uh, yeah, you have been okay, but you sure have given a lot of money away. Uh, you've given money away in discounts, and you've given money away in servicing clients who you really shouldn't have been working with. But, but in essence, because you were, if I use the analogy, uh, the harmony analogy, just because you were desperate for a date, any date would do. Got it. Andy, I want to continue our conversation that we've been talking about, which is lead generation thing. And, and thank you for the four categories and what to focus on. So besides the, the four categories and, and staying away from the health clients and focusing on the A's, what other advice do you have in that area? Okay. The, the, the two of the things that I would say is, to research, you only want to focus on a handful, say 50, 75, or 100, whatever you can can actually manage over a four-, or five-, six-month period. And you need to be really, really clear. That means doing research on the companies, talking to people, but it's got to be tight because the next thing I'm going to say is, how do we go land these guys? Right. And you have to know that they're a fit before you begin or the efforts I'm going to tell you to do next are going to be totally wasted time and energy. So the thing you need to do next is you need to come up with a, mark, a direct marketing campaign, preferably a, some people call it a lumpy mail campaign. And you're going to send lumpy mail to these guys on a, on a regular basis, and you're going to follow up with a phone call, 
and you're going to be tenacious and never give up until you get an appointment with these guys. And our experience is, if you will do that, and you will be tenacious about that, that you will land 10% of those accounts in the next six months. Now think about it. If you landed 10% of your ideal clients who appreciate your value and buy at full margin, guess what you just did? You doubled your business and you doubled your profits and you did it in a down economy. Yeah, and you've taken away the shotgun approach and put the rifle approach right to it. Yep, and you've, sh- and you've shedded the clients uh, that were distractions and, and sucking your energy resources and profits dry. Okay, great. Well, Andy, thank you for your insight today, and thanks for being on our program. Andy, any final advice you want to give our audience today? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have one piece. Uh, the one piece is don't take my word for what we've just talked about. I'm going to encourage you to sit down, look at the best clients you've been doing uh, business with, make a list of those clients, look at their attributes, look at what they've paid you in terms of profit margins, and what you will see is what I've been talking about is absolutely true. Okay. Thanks, Andy. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com, or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.